Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Welcome one, welcome all into Fizz Radio. Jaron May here with Matt Bonaparte as we are getting you ready for Syracuse's game with Wake Forest this upcoming Saturday. And Matt, there is a lot to talk about. We'll obviously preview the Wake Forest game. We'll give out our midseason awards on the Syracuse side of things. We're going to talk to Connor O'Neill, a reporter for the Winston-Salem Journal, later on in the show. And of course, we'll get to your Fizz feedback and a little... Uh, segment we like to do, Fictional Fizz, where we'll set some betting lines, some over-unders, and we'll see whether we want to take the over or the under. Before we get into all of that, go give us a follow on Twitter, at Orange Fizz. Find all of our content online, orangefizz.net. But Matt, let's first head right into this Wake Forest game with Syracuse. It's coming up this Saturday, game time at 12. And I think the big story going into this one is just the QB and maybe you put controversy in air quotes. I'm not completely sure. Uh, personally, I'm still on the on board with Rex Culpepper for Syracuse being the guy and starting this game against Wake Forest. But he did get pulled against Clemson. Later in the game, he did have some, uh, some mistakes three interceptions, one fumble. Is he still your guy, or would you go to one of the freshmen? I don't think it's fair to go to one of the freshmen right now. I mean, Rex is a backup quarterback. What did you really expect from him having to be shoved into this role and and having really not played at a consistent basis at all before this? I I think you got to stick with Rex going forward. And he's not playing too poorly. What do you really expect going against the number one team in the nation? Sure, three interceptions, but... He's going against a third-ranked defense in the country. So, I mean, five touchdowns, five picks for him this year at about 500 yards. He's solid right now. you got to stick with him. But the thing is, those interceptions, and yes, Rex should be the the starter, and I agree with you, and I'm not going to go away from that. But number one, his touchdown-to-interception ratio right now is 5-5, to and if you simplify that, it's 1-1. to uh, So not great. Every touchdown he throws, he's going to match it with an interception. And those interceptions against Clemson were mental mistakes. They were not missed throws. They were they were just bad decisions, to put it uh, bluntly. So Rex definitely needs to clean up his act. I wouldn't go to the freshman. However, I do think that he would have a very short leash against Wake Forest coming up this Saturday um, because I I don't think that maybe, or rather I do think that in a, in a year where it's kind of a rebuilding situation for Syracuse, why wouldn't you try out some of the freshmen if this redshirt senior is not getting you anywhere? Well, just because you you can't give up on this season entirely, and not saying that necessarily putting those freshmen in is giving up, but taking Rex out certainly is. I think that Rex is clearly your number one option right now, and you can't just give up on it. Okay. All right. I, hey, I'm I'm with you right there. I think Rex should be starting this game against Wake Forest. Time will tell. He is number one on the depth chart. Actually, nothing changed on Syracuse's depth chart from Clemson week to now in the Wake Forest week. This is Orange Fizz Radio. Jaron May here with Matt Bonaparte. We just talked about the QB and, in air quotes, controversy for Syracuse football. Rex Culpepper, currently the starter. We'll see if that uh, is what shakes out today against Wake Forest. Uh, but now let's 
stay in the backfield, Matt, and let's talk about the offensive running game for Syracuse. Sean Tucker went out against Clemson with a lower leg injury, um, and their offense kind of turned one-dimensional. And against Wake Forest, if, if Tucker isn't able to go, I'm not really sure what Syracuse can do to get this offense rolling. You're right. I mean, Tucker is an immense part of this offense ever since he kind of emerged against Georgia Tech, had that incredible game, a couple touchdowns and 112 yards against the Yellow Jackets. And against Clemson, 63 yards uh, and a touchdown, averaging 6.3 yards per carry. The guy was playing incredibly well against the best uh, team in the country. So I I don't know where you're going to go for that for that offensive production. Jawar Jordan, Cooper Lutz, and Markenzie Pierre are, certainly aren't going to provide the same yeah, kind no of one, production that Tucker does. No one does. jumps off the page for me right there. So, I, <laughs> I mean, you'll have to go for maybe an aerial attack, and I, I think that that puts Rex in danger of experiencing the same kind of thing DeVito did in yeah. – having to drop back every single play. And what we saw from that was 14 sacks in the first two games of the season. So Syracuse has a bit of a doozy on their hands in in terms of what they're going to do for an offensive production. But I I don't know. We'll see if they try to stick with that run game. But I think they're going to have to go towards guys like Nikeem Johnson a little bit more. Well, here's the thing. If you want to have a good, solid running game, against a bad rush defense, this is the game. Wake Forest is allowing over 200 yards per game on the ground. That is 13th in the ACC, or 13 out of 15, if you want to put it um, in perspective. So that is third to last in the conference. Wake Forest allows a lot on the ground, and they're a little better in the passing game, especially last week uh, when they took down number 19 Virginia Tech. Nick Anderson, a walk-on freshman, had three interceptions in one game. So, I, Matt, I agree with you that you don't really want to turn to Rex Culpepper and just say, hey, Sean Tucker's out of this game. You're going to have to throw the ball 35-plus times, and that's how we're going to work on our offense. Because if Tucker's not in there, you know Wake Forest is going to know that Syracuse is going to try to just throw the deep ball or throw the slants across the middle. They know Syracuse's game plan. Everyone does. So if Tucker's not available today against Wake Forest, that could be a really big issue for the Syracuse uh, offense against Wake Forest. Well, absolutely. And if you look at what Jarvion, or uh, excuse me, not Jarvion, he's opted out, uh, Jawar Jordan has done so far this season, he's only played in three games. That's UNC, Pitt, and and Georgia Tech. And none of his, his performances were very convincing. 26 yards in the opener against the Tar Heels, then 40 yards against Pitt, then he gets benched. So he hasn't really played since two carries at Georgia Tech. It's not at all, uh, doesn't put Orange fans at ease. No, it's, it's, if, and again, we're not completely sure, technically Sean Tucker is on the depth chart going into Wake Forest game, um, but if Tucker is not able to go or if he's in a limited fashion, it probably goes to Cooper Lutz, and you don't have too much... Uh, I would say confidence in Cooper Lutz. I mean, a redshirt sophomore that's only had 15 carries on the year for only 34 yards. It's not. It's not going to be good if Sean Tucker is not available, and that does say something about this Syracuse offense that they are reliant on one guy. Um, it's 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 an issue. 
it definitely is probably the biggest question mark going into this game with Wake Forest. But again, this is Fizz Radio, Jaron May with Matt Bonaparte. We're breaking down Syracuse and Wake Forest coming up this Saturday at noon. Uh, Matt, let's let's talk about the defensive side of things in the rush defense specifically. That was the biggest problem with this Syracuse defense a couple weeks ago. Back-to-back games, giving up over 130 yards on the ground. But then against Clemson with the best running back in the entire country, Travis Etienne, they held him to less than 150 yards. Now, granted, Tr- Etienne was injured, um, but they definitely changed some things up and the rush defense was definitely a key. And now you go up against a Wake Forest team that is very good on the run and has basically a two-headed monster in their backfield with Kenneth Walker and Christian Beale-Smith. Yeah, and you talk about them kind of containing Travis Etienne, but it really wasn't the case. The guy had 86 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. I mean, they didn't really contain him at all. They lost the game 47-21, to and that was really because of him. So this rush defense has been a problem primarily against Liberty and and then Clemson. And now, like you mentioned, really a two-headed attack from Wake Forest with a couple of guys who play the exact same way, are the exact same build, and it's just kind of two of one guy. So it it definitely bodes as a problem for Syracuse. They haven't been exactly – I mean, this team forces a lot of turnovers, sure, but that doesn't make it a good defense. I mean, none of their other statistics are are particularly good. I mean, they're 90th in rush defense overall, and I I believe 66th in pass defense. So they're really not too good. Um, This is definitely going to be an issue for them if, if they can't get something underway. And I think it's because... This front seven just isn't really all that experienced. You have Josh Black on that defensive line with guys like uh, uh, McKinley Williams and Kingsley Jonathan, but they really haven't yep. gotten the job done no. this season like we thought they might have. And that linebacking core, a couple guys have stepped up like Michael Jones, but the absence of, of Andrew Armstrong, who left the team after last season, is really showing. I mean, these guys aren't playing the same way um, we've seen well, Syracuse play in the past, and Syracuse hasn't played well in the past, so it's kind of crazy to think they've taken a step down. I will say that the the linebackering core for Syracuse has definitely impressed me this year. I thought that they were going to be the biggest weakness on the Syracuse team, and they, I mean, Michael Jones is absolutely fantastic. Now, mean, the, great season. The, yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we go to break, and what I want to hit on last with this Syracuse looking at Wake Forest, and of course we'll look at Wake Forest trying to take on Syracuse with Connor O'Neill, a reporter for the Winston-Salem Journal, coming up here on Fizz Radio. But before we get to that, Matt, the strength of this Syracuse defense is forcing turnovers. And simply put, Wake Forest doesn't do that. Zero interceptions uh, by Sam Hartman, who's thrown 155 consecutive passes without an interception. Absolutely crazy when you think about that. And then they've only had one lost turnover or one lost fumble this entire season. Wake Forest, the Demon Deacons just don't turn the ball over, and that's what the Syracuse defense relies on. So that's going to be a key in this game coming up this Saturday. You mentioned that that Wake doesn't really tend. To, to turn the ball over, but I don't really think it matters. This Syracuse team always finds a way. I mean, you, playing Trevor Lawrence last week, he hadn't thrown a pick in almost a calendar year, and they still got it done, almost twice. So I think they'll they'll get something done, maybe a forced fumble, a tip pick. It always happens with this defense. So I think they'll keep that streak up. 
All right. Well, Syracuse and Pitt coming up this Saturday at noon. We are breaking it all down here on Fizz Radio. And after the break, we're going to give out some mid-season awards. Don't go anywhere. This is Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Back here on Fizz Radio with Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte getting you ready for the Syracuse and Wake Forest game coming up this Saturday at noon. We just talked about the Syracuse side of things. We'll talk about the Wake Forest side of things with Connor O'Neill, a reporter for the Winston-Salem Journal coming up here on Fizz Radio. But before we get to that, we are at the midway point of the season, Matt and I think that means that we got to give out midseason awards. So we'll go through a couple different categories. We got offensive MVP, defensive, and a couple others. Uh, I'll give mine. You could give yours. Give a, a quick explanation, and we'll get right into it. All right. So the first one is offensive MVP. I think we're going to agree with this one, but I'll let you take the mic and uh, give me your offensive MVP so far this year. I really don't think there's a way around Sean Tucker here. I mean, yeah. he's been the only option for the offense after he emerged against Georgia Tech. He's been absolutely incredible. And he's looked like a running back that I haven't seen Syracuse have in a while. Obviously, Mo Neal was, was solid in his his long tenure in Orange. But Sean Tucker has looked like a different beast, and you just love to see that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really need to give all the stats and everything. We've already talked about how dependent this offense is on Sean Tucker, and if he's not in the game, they become one-dimensional, and that one dimension is not that good either. So my offensive MVP so far this season is also Tucker. Um, they're going to need him against Wake Forest. They're going to need him for the rest of the year. So hopefully he's healthy. Healthy. Hopefully if he's not, then Dino and company hold him out until he is, and it doesn't become an even bigger issue. Um, but yes, Sean Tucker, offensive MVP. All right, let's switch over to the defensive side of things. Who do you have for your defensive MVP, Matt? Defensive MVP, I've got the freshman, Garrett Williams. I know it's a Ooh, little bit okay. uh, of, a, of a wild choice. I picked two freshmen for both my MVPs, but <laughs> maybe that's a sign of hope for the Orange, for the future. I, I just think that Garrett has stepped into a role in which he's been absolutely incredible this season. You didn't really expect him to be all that good as just a freshman, but he's made a real change in that secondary in a place where Andre Sisco, who is supposed to be this uh, incredible player that Syracuse has in that secondary the team should be afraid of, just goes missing with an injury. So with with the out of, of Andre Sisco comes in Garrett Williams, and he's just been absolutely incredible this season. Five pass defenses, 34 tackles, and an interception. you got to love what you see from the freshman. And Garrett Williams uh, is number one in the entire country for corners who've been targeted the most without giving up a touchdown, he's been targeted 38 times, and no no one team has scored on him when they have targeted him. So Garrett Williams, a good choice for your defensive MVP. Uh, for me, I'm going Michael Jones. He's leading the team in tackles. He has three interceptions, which again also leads the team. Four quarterback hits, two forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries. He's been absolutely crazy, and I mean, yes, Garrett Williams has been fantastic, but Michael Jones, he's tied in first in the entire FBS, and of course the ACC, in total interceptions, and tied in second in the NCAA for most forced fumbles and fumbles recovered. I don't understand 
how you could pick anyone else. He's also just shot on the sh- on, on, on the scene. Um, Michael Jones has been a huge part to this defense and really why they've had so much success forcing turnovers. So he's my defensive MVP. Before we get into the new one, again, this is Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte here on Fizz Radio. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Orange Fizz. All right, Matt, uh, our next midseason award is Best Newcomer. Who do you have for this one? All right, I know it's a little bit redundant, but I got to go Garrett Williams again. I mean, he's okay. just a guy that you really – I didn't. I had heard nothing about him going into the season, and now when I watch games every Saturday, I, think, I, I look to find him on the field, see who he's guarding, and I know that there's going to be some lockdown coverage. I mean, this guy has just been an absolute stud. And again, in, in a, a secondary where – it's a little bit beat up. A guy's getting hurt left and right. He comes and he applies this this superstar power. I mean, he's an absolutely incredible player and a guy that Syracuse should love that they have. Okay. All right, that's solid. Uh, yeah, Garrett Williams has been, as like we've said, has been really good. And he is a newcomer, so I guess he can fall under both categories. Uh, I'm going to go with a name that might not jump off the, the sheets, but Nolan Cooney has been absolutely crazy. And I got to give respect where respect is due, whether you're a special teamer, an offensive player, or defensive. Nolan Cooney is fantastic. And although he's a redshirt senior and has been in the program for a while now and has been holding uh, Andre Schmidt's extra points and field goals, I don't really consider that as a consistent player. So I'm going to put Nolan Cooney as my best newcomer. Uh, the punter is number one in the country for most punts this year. Or, yeah, this season. He's on pace for the second most punts in Syracuse history in a single season with 77. Now, that doesn't say much about him, but it does say a lot about this Syracuse offense. But he's also second in the country in terms of pro football focus grades for punters. Um He's been fantastic. There's of his, and I'm looking up his numbers, of his 42 punts so far this season, 14 of them have been inside the 20. 16 of them have been over 50 yards. None of them have been blocked. And only two of them have been touchbacks. That's a lot of numbers, but let me sum it up. It's that Nolan Cooney is a really good punter, and somehow Syracuse University just continues to churn out outstanding punters in this special teams unit. So that's my best newcomer of this midseason. Uh, Matt, let's switch over to most improved. Who do you got in that one? For me, I'm, I'm sticking with the, the secondary theme here. But okay. it's going to go to Ifatu Melifonmu, a guy who last season some people thought played a little bit underwhelmingly. He didn't have a bad year, but with his athleticism, 6'3", 213, he's speedy. Uh, they maybe thought he was going to be a little bit better. He had two picks last season, just 20 tackles. Already he surpassed that amount of tackles this season, already 25, and five pass defenses. He's been an absolute stud, along with those other guys I've mentioned within the SU secondary, and I just think you got to give him credit where credit's due. He stepped up into that role and been that guy for Syracuse. Yeah, if he definitely has, when Cisco went out, Trill has been injured for a little bit. If he has stepped up in that spot, that's a really good choice. I I, I do like that one. I'm going to go to the offensive side of the ball for my most improved here on Fizz Radio, Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte. Uh, my most improved player for Syracuse at this mid-season mark is Nikeem Johnson. Uh, 
Sophomore year, he was fantastic. 565 yards, four touchdowns. Junior year, he was bad. I mean, he did he he was injured, but in that year, he only had 99 yards and zero touchdowns. He seemed non-existent. This, yeah, exactly. Uh, this year, he all-purpose yards is is doing absolutely fantastic because he's also. Uh, their returner for kicks and punts so kick return yards 227 punt returns 92 yards but as a receiver he's been their number two maybe their number three it kind of depends on where you put anthony queely taj harris obviously number one i'd probably say nikeem johnson number two had some big plays against uh against clemson i also see his speed being able to exploit uh wake forest this upcoming saturday so Nikeem Johnson, my most improved. Good to see him back um, and healthy again and really helping out this Syracuse wide receiving core. All right, Matt, uh, last one here on Fizz Radio. Again, Jaron and Matt, go give us a follow on Twitter at Orange Fizz. We're handing out our midseason awards, and our final one is mo- or biggest disappointment so far. We're going to go negative on this last one. Who do you got, Matt? I know it might not necessarily be his fault, but Aaron Hackett has just not seen the light of day this season. That's a just good choice. Four receptions, 45 yards. Does have a touchdown, but you just don't see him like you thought you would this season. He was being made out to be this guy that was going to be a bigger option for Tommy DeVito with with the uh, the the departure of Tristan Jackson. And you know, Taj Harris was supposed to be the number one. Maybe Hackett be that number two. Last year, 23 receptions, 205 yards, six touchdowns. Not the greatest stats in the world. But for a tight end who who was in his sophomore season, they're pretty darn good. But he's just been nowhere this season. A lot of people are blaming uh, the new offense with Sterling Gilbert. But I mean, you just Aaron Hackett's not been there. It's it's fairly disappointing. Yeah, that's a really good choice. I like that. Um, I'm still on the side that it does fall on Sterling Gilbert instead of the tight ends because Luke Benson also hasn't had a great year. Um, but that's a good one. Aaron Hackett, your most disappointing or biggest disappointment. Um, for my biggest disappointment, I'm going to go to the defensive side of things. I'm going McKinley Williams. He was, he's been okay. 21 tackles, only one sack though. And that's really, that gets me. Um, this defensive line, other than the secondary, was supposed to be probably the best unit on this Syracuse team going into this year, I would say. Linebackers were supposed to be bad. Secondary was supposed to be great. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, you really didn't know much. You, you didn't have confidence in any of those. The defensive line was supposed to be good, and McKinley Williams was supposed to be a big part of that. He just hasn't stood off, like he hasn't shown out yet. Um, so I, I expected a little more from McKinley Williams. So he's my biggest disappointment so far this year. Um, okay, well, those are our mid-season awards. You can go check them out on our Twitter page, at Orange Fizz, um, on our website, orangefizz.net. And after the break, we're going to be talking to Connor O'Neill, a reporter for the Winston-Salem Journal and a beat reporter that covers Wake Forest about the Wake Forest side of things with Syracuse taking on the Demon Deacons this Saturday. Don't go anywhere. This is Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Back here on Fizz Radio, and now we are joined by a special guest, Connor O'Neill, a reporter for Raleigh News and Observer. Connor, thanks so much for taking the time. Yeah, thanks guys for having me. 
So Jaron and Matt here with Connor, and we are now going to be talking about the Wake Forest side of things. We've already talked about Syracuse and how they have to attack this game against the Demon Deacons, but now let's get the Deeks side of things with Connor. And Connor, I think we start with probably the biggest storyline, not only in Wake Forest's uh, football this week, or probably just the entire college football world. And that's Nick Anderson, the walk-on freshman, three interceptions last week against Virginia Tech. The Demon Deacons take down a ranked Virginia Tech team. Um, what have you seen from Anderson that has stood out to have that, that has led him to have such a great start to this season? Well, there's a lot. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> impossible to pinpoint just one thing um, on the field. I, I'd probably say it's just his knack to be in the right place at the right time. Uh, he it's, it's not like he was a secret. The first three games uh, he was out there in some packages. He was out there in, in some spot work, but uh, Luke Masterson has kind of been a Swiss army knife for the defense the last few years. And he went down and they're already missing a couple other safeties. So that's really the last two games. That's where Nick has, has gained the start. Um, and he's just he's he's uh, according to people in the program, he's a film study junkie. He's he's in there watching film as much as anybody, which is crazy for a, for a freshman. You typically don't think of freshmen as being dedicated film watchers. Um, and that's that's where it pays off, where he's he's in the right spot to pick balls off. He's in the right spot, tracking sideline to sideline, making tackles. Connor, what stands out to me. Uh, about this Demon Deacons team is his committee at running back. He's got Kenneth Walker, who's got 450 rush yards, eight touchdowns, and Christian Beal Smith, who's got 385 rush yards, four touchdowns. But what's more is that they're basically the same build, both 5'10 <laughs> and five pounds apart. Uh, what what kind of diversity does that bring to this offense? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're able to kind of give them a – 50-50 time split and and not really lose a beat whether one's in the game or the other's in the game. Uh, it's 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 been typically a three running back system with Dave Claus in the last couple of years. Uh, and it usually is like a, you know, 45%, 45%, 10% split. But they really, they don't have that third guy that they can really trust right now. So it's just become the two of them. And, and the two of them have been enough so far. Uh, they both stayed pretty healthy. Uh, the biggest difference I'd say is, is probably Kenneth Walker's patience and his ability to break tackles is, is really pretty special. Um, I, I would imagine if you, if you went to the pro football focus page, he'd be second or third in the ACC in broken tackles for running backs behind ETN and maybe uh, Javante Williams with UNC. So, but but they're they're both they're similar running styles other than uh, Walker's patience and and uh, broken tackles. Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte now joined by Connor O'Neill, again, a Wake Forest beat reporter here on Fizz Radio. Um, you bring up pro football focus and someone who has been recognized from Wake Forest by PFF this past week was Jakari Roberson, um, the highest graded slot receiver by PFF with a 92.1 grade. Um, it seems like the wide receiver position for Wake Forest heading into this year was definitely going to be a question mark because you lost four of your top five uh, or you, you lost your top four um, and five of your top six receivers yeah. And I did the math, 85% of the receiving yards left, whether it was graduation or Sage Sherratt um, opting out. 
How have you seen Wake Forest try to fill those voids at the receiver position so far this year? Well, they're still trying to fill the void on the outside. Um, they've got some young players out there. Like Donovan Green had a huge game at Syracuse last year. Um, he's but he's still a redshirt freshman. He's, he's still only played um, – he's played, what, now nine games in his college career. He's still technically a freshman. Um, mm-hmm. they, they brought in a transfer from Stanford, Donald Stewart, who helped him in one game, but otherwise he's been pretty absent. They've got another redshirt freshman, Nolan Gruel, who – was a four-star recruit, just like Green. He hasn't really been able to make an impact. Uh, and A.T. Perry is a is a big six-five guy who's got a great frame, but he hasn't been able to make an impact. So, on the outside, they're they're still hurting. Um, that's one of that's kind of one of the biggest areas for improvement in the offense right now. And what's been able to help alleviate some of that is is Jaquari in the slot. I mean. Dave Clawson and Warren Ruggiero and Kevin Higgins, the wide receivers coach, they'll all tell you that this offense is just, it, it breeds success in the slot position. I mean, it goes back to Greg Dorch and Tabari Hines in 2017, Greg Dorch in 18, and then Kendall Hinton last year. Um, I mean, Kendall Hinton played, you know, a couple weeks of, of slot receiver in the 2018 season. And all of a sudden in 2019, he's, a, I think, a third team all ACC receiver because of that. Uh it's, it's just a spot that in this offense, you're going to get the ball if, if you're open and you're able, if you're able to run routes and get open uh, against zone coverages and that kind of thing. So, yeah, it, it's it's fun to see Jaquari do it because he's a guy that he thought he should have been playing, quite honestly, the last two years. And, and he just had better players in front of him. And now he's he's been able to take that into account and become one of the one of the better players that's now playing in front of some guys that might think they they deserve to play over him. I want to shift into talking about the defense now, and you can't do that without talking about Carlos Basham, an absolute monster um, in the front seven for Wake Forest. Five sacks puts him at near the top of the country in that statistic. Dino Babers said in his press conference this week that while watching film, his first question every time was, how big is this guy? Because he's so freaking fast. He's 6'5", 285, and he's quick. And, and Matt, he, he compared Basham to the king of the lizards, Godzilla. I just want to toss that out there. <laughs> yeah, I thought we, we should have some, like, blue oyster cult plan for that. Uh, <laughs> it seems like a perfect setup. But, I mean, he, he's just the complete package. Um, you, you see the NFL projections. I think everybody has him in the first round at this point. Um, the size is the first thing that jumps off the page. Dino's not wrong there. He's 6'5", 285 and, and runs like a deer. I mean, he, he has the, the agility and the burst that those NFL teams covet, but what makes him really special is just everything else. Like he's got play recognition that makes you think sometimes he's, he's basically a middle linebacker playing defensive end. Uh, He'll get, you know, two, three, four tackles a game just by backside pursuit. And when they run away from him, he's crashing down the line and, and tackling the ball carrier from behind when they've got a hole open. Uh, he's, he's made plays on screens where he's coming on an inside twist with a defensive tackle. He realizes the guards have let him go. And instead of running to the quarterback, he runs, he turns around and runs and tackles a running back from behind. He's just he, he's got such a motor. Uh, I noticed in the Virginia Tech game when I rewatched it, he had uh, on his nasal tape across the nasal tape, it said relentless. And that's just perfect for him because his motor is just what it what takes it to the you know, he, he was here last year. 
because of his motor, because of some of the pass rush skills he picked up. He's he's even higher this year because of the play recognition, the film study that you see him putting in. It's just he's, he's continued to elevate. I couldn't even fathom a guy nicknamed Boogie with Relentless on his face chasing you down at 6'5", 285. Don't sign me up for that one. Um, all right, Connor O'Neill, again, uh, a reporter for the Raleigh News and Observer, joining us here on Fizz Radio, Jaron and Matt. Uh, we've talked about the Syracuse side of things. What are the keys to the game for, to, for Syracuse going into Wake Forest? How about you give me your key to the game for Wake Forest to try to take down Syracuse? Um. I think offensively, Wake just Wake just has to avoid turnovers. Uh, it's been something they've been really good at. They've had one this year, and I think it was in the second game against NC State, a fumble. Um, if you watch Sam Hartman in 2018, your biggest criticism was that, you know, two or three times a game, he would take a third and long and try to create some, you know, high school-esque magic play where he's, you know, shedding guys and throwing the ball 40 yards down the field on a dime and, you just can't do that in college football. Uh, and and those plays in, in 2018 when he was a true freshman and starting would turn into picks and would turn into, you know, getting stripped from behind. And he just – he's eliminated that from his game, it seems like. He does not make those types of plays anymore. He's had maybe one or two all year in five games, and he's really become a, a good risk management quarterback. And – this is a Syracuse team that I, I think what's the number uh, they've created 20 some turnovers or, yeah. or high teens and they just feast off turnovers. That's, that's what keeps them in games. That's what l- allowed them to win their game. So it's, it's just a, it's a matter of continuing to take care of the ball against a team that really wants you to, to turn the ball over to them. All right. So that's the key to the game for Wake Forest. Don't turn the ball over coming from Connor O'Neill, a reporter for the Raleigh news and observer. Connor, thanks so much for taking the time, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah, Jaron, Matt, thank you for having me. All right, coming up here on Fizz Radio, we'll get to fictional Fizz and Fizz feedback right after the break. Don't go anywhere. Wrapping up shop here on Fizz Radio, Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte getting you ready for Syracuse in Wake Forest coming up this Saturday. Uh, We just talked to Connor O'Neill, a reporter from the Winston-Salem Journal who covers Wake Forest. We've talked all about Syracuse. Now, Matt, let's break it down with fictional fizz and fizz feedback. Go give us a follow on Twitter at OrangeFizz. Go read all of our content online, orangefizz.net. And, Matt, let's start with fictional fizz. This is where I give some over-under lines, and you have to tell me whether you take the over or the under. Pretty simple. Uh, And let's start with our first line. Matt, against Wake Forest, over or under 24 and a half points for Syracuse? What do you got? That's a, that's a really, really good line, Jaron, so I just got to give you credit. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I'm going to take the over here. I think that Syracuse has been receiving a lot of hate uh, uh, each each week, just in each matchup. Everybody, No one's taken Syracuse, so I think I've got to put some faith in them Give them some points. I think they'll get up to around the 27 mark. Okay. All right. Um, here's the thing. I I think Syracuse definitely found something last week against Clemson. It seemed like they started to piece together some of the 
the question marks that they had going in um, to that week and they had previously this season. However, with my pick on orangefizz.net that you can go find, uh, go check out all of our predictions from all of the staff members. I have it Wake Forest 34, Syracuse 24. So if it's 24, I got to take the under. Um, it'll be a close game, but I just don't see them getting over that 24 and a half point mark. So I'm taking the under. Um, all right, continuing on with fictional fizz, over or under 325 total yards of offense for Syracuse against Wake Forest. Syracuse so far this season is averaging 275 per game. Wake Forest is allowing 448. So 325 is the line, Matt. Are you taking the over or the under? You mentioned how many Wake Forest is allowing. That defense hasn't been as stout as you'd like it to be. I think we're going to have to go with the over here. I think especially if Sean Tucker starts today, uh, I, I think that Syracuse will definitely eclipse that number and easily. Okay. All right. Um, I'm also going to take the over. Like I said, I think Syracuse figured it out. I think Nikeem Johnson as a deep ball threat really helps the Orange. Having Taj Harris back in the lineup after missing last week because he didn't travel with the team, assuming because that's disciplinary action after he flipped the bird, which you can go find our article at orangefizz.net. Um with him, with Nikeem, and then hopefully with Sean Tucker in the lineup, I think Syracuse gets over that 325 mark. So I'm taking the over in that one as well. Okay, Matt, uh, still fictional fizz here. I got another line for you. We have talked about how Wake Forest doesn't turn the ball over. Syracuse relies on forcing turnovers. So the over under 1.5 forced turnovers for the Syracuse defense against Wake Forest. What do you got? I think I'm going to have to take the over here. The Syracuse defense might not be one of the best defenses in the country, but it always finds a way to to get those turnovers, whether it be a fumble or an interception. I, I think the secondary uh, will definitely prey on Sam Hartman, and and possibly this linebacking core could force a fumble or two along with that defensive line. Okay, so you got two turnovers. Um, I'm going to take the under in this one. Now, I do, I do think that Syracuse forces a turnover, but I think it's singular. I think they have one takeaway. Um, I don't see Sam Hartman throwing a pick, even though it's usually a pick rather than a fumble when it comes to Syracuse's defensive force turnovers. Um, he's just been too solid, too smart with the ball. So I think the Syracuse defense causes or has one takeaway, not two, and the line is set at one and a half. So I'll take the under. Our last line here in fictional fizz the line over under 215 rushing yards for Wake Forest uh, because, again, we've talked about the two-headed monster that they have in their backfield, Kenneth Walker and Christian Beal-Smith. Right now, Wake Forest is averaging 173 rushing yards per game. The Syracuse defense is allowing 235. So that line is right in between. Um, and again, the line is at 215. Matt, are you taking the over or the under? I think this is easy money. You got to take the over here. I mean, this this running back duo for the Demon Deacons is absolutely menacing. These guys can run like nobody's business. They both play a little bit like Le'Veon Bell. Wait for that hole to open up and then just dart through it. This Syracuse rush defense has not been what you'd like it to be as a Syracuse fan. And, and we saw Liberty do it to him, and that's not exactly a, a college football powerhouse. <laughs> so I think you got to take the over here. Yeah, I'll take the over as well. I think the running backs for Wake Forest are too good. I think the rush defense for Syracuse looked good last week against Clemson because Travis Etienne was 
uh, out due to injury because he's well for part of the game he said that he only had uh, frosted flakes in the morning and didn't have a complete breakfast and that's why he was cramping I don't know why that happened because he's a professional I don't I don't understand why he thought he could play a football game on just frosted flakes um, so yes I think that helped Syracuse's rush defense look a little better I think Wake Forest this week has over 215 rushing yards. Um, so I'll take the over in that one. Okay, that was Fictional Fizz. Go check out our content on our website, orangefizz.net. Follow us on Twitter at orangefizz. And that is where you can find our next topic with, again, Matt and Jaron breaking it all down for you here on Fizz Radio. Our next topic of discussion is Fizz Feedback. This is where we put polls out on our Twitter page and you tell us what you think. Again, at orangefizz if you want to go give us a follow. All right, so the first poll is who should play the majority of snaps at quarterback this weekend against Wake Forest? Your options, Rex Culpepper, Jacoby and Morgan, or Dylan Markowitz. Rex Culpepper gets the win with 55% of the vote. Matt, are you agreeing with that, or would you go with the freshman? Got to be with Rex here. I 100% agree uh, with the voters here. Rex is the guy, and he's going to be the guy for the rest of the season. Okay. I'm also going Rex. I think he starts this game against Wake Forest. He's number one on the depth chart right now. Um, I think maybe the freshman might come in because later on if if Rex does have some issues, but I think the majority of the snaps should go to the redshirt senior. We do have a comment, and we like to read those out. It's from Captain Patrick. What's up, Captain? Uh, he says, I don't think Morgan is as dual threat as you think. Based on his high school tape, I want Dylan. Plus, he's from Texas, where we bred, where they breed good quarterbacks. Also, we can't seem to keep the Texas boys on the roster, so playing them would help. Um, Captain Patrick, I like your take. If a freshman does go in, I would lean Markowitz. Uh, Matt, would you rather have Morgan or Markowitz if they do go freshman? I'm going to have to agree with Captain Patrick here. I think I, I think I'd want Markowitz as well. I mean, the guy, uh, just based on on his tape, he he's got a big arm, and I think he he could be the guy, the interim between who you know, uh, a Tommy DeVito slash Rex Culpepper to whoever the next guy to take over this offense is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was fourth in the entire state of Texas his senior year um, in terms of passing yards with over 4,000 in one season. Plus, he holds every single uh, every single season passing record at his high school. All right, so uh, we would go Markowitz, but we think Rex should get the majority of the snaps. Your next Fizz feedback at Orange Fizz on Twitter. Who has been the most impressive player on the defensive side of the ball so far this season? Your options, Michael Jones, Ify Melifonwu, Garrett Williams, Jeff Canton, Arku. Uh, Matt, who would you take it out of these four? Uh, I mean, probably going to have to go with Michael Jones. Okay. Even though you had Garrett Williams as your defensive I, I mean, I love Garrett Williams, but I think Michael is going to overtake him uh, by the end of it. Okay. I also uh, voted for Michael. He got 44% of the vote. Garrett Williams with 49% of the vote. So both of those guys, obviously the top two. Um, I think Williams might have got a recency bias because he had that big pick against Clemson. We'll see how they both fare against Wake Forest this week. Uh, your next Fizz feedback again at Orange Fizz. Syracuse has allowed the most sacks in the FBS while Wake Forest has given up the fifth most. Which team will allow more sacks this Saturday when they play each other? Matt, Syracuse or Wake Forest? I think it's got to be Syracuse. I mean, especially if you don't have Sean Tucker today, 
you're going to see Rex drop back over and over and over and over again. That's just going to lead to more opportunities for the Demon Deacons to, to, to nab some sacks. So I think it's got to be Syracuse. Uh, I also think that Syracuse allows more sacks. Carlos Basham of Wake Forest is an absolute beast. We've already talked about him in this show. Um, and like you said, they might have to, Syracuse might have to throw more than they run. All right, last Fizz feedback. How does this weekend's game between Syracuse and Wake Forest pan out? Is it an SU win by more than seven points, an SU win by less than seven, Wake Forest win by more than seven, or Wake Forest win by less than seven? Matt, what do you got? I said it was going to be a Wake Forest win by more than seven. I think Syracuse is, I don't know if they're going to get blown out, but I think they're going to lose by two touchdowns. And I think it's going to be a high-scoring affair, but they're definitely going to lose by two touchdowns. Probably like a, okay. a, a 40 to 27 type deal. Okay. All right, that's what I got as well. Wake Forest wins by more than seven. All right, well, that'll do it for Fizz Radio. Thanks so much for spending your Saturday morning with us, Jaron and Matt, now signing off. Enjoy the Syracuse and Wake Forest game, and we'll catch you next time.